Good morning, guys. Uh, for those who don't know, my name is Sam, and I am the youth director here at Southside. I'm also a pastor in training, and this is part of the training to learn how to communicate and be in front of people. So in order to help me today, I actually brought a friend with me. Hi, I'm uh, Marcus McClellan. I've been coming to Southside for basically my whole life. Um, <clears throat> and so those of you that know me know that I'm a bit of a, a quiet guy. And so being up here is a little bit of a stretch, but that's okay because that's how we grow, right? Yeah, uh, for sure. So um, to support Marcus, can I have you raise your hand if you switched seats with him and this would have been your first time leading the discussion up here at Southside? All of you have led a discussion up here wow. before? Come on, let's get... I, I got to see your here. arms up there. Okay, great. <laughs> Elders, can we get a count real quick? Keep your arm up there. We need a name and a count so we know who we need to bring up next. What you, you're not volunteering? What do you mean? Okay, so we are in uh, this series called uh, Mountaineering with the Master. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a sermon. We're looking at the sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus, and then we call it the Sermon on the Mountain because, well, it, it took place on a mountain. It's brilliant, but I really think we could call it like Jesus inviting us to climb a mountain. And the reason I say that is everything Jesus teaches in this sermon, anything worthwhile or doing he discusses in this, is all uphill. And when I mean uphill, I mean like you don't accidentally climb a mountain. It, 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 it takes a little intentionality. You don't accidentally wake up on the top and are so confused, you know, how did I get up here? And then someone asks you, how'd you do that? And you're just like, I don't know, right? You, it, it takes intentionality to climb a mountain. It takes some kind of work. And the same way, you don't, like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about like rejoicing when persecuted. You don't accidentally rejoice when persecuted. No, that, that takes intentionality. That takes a little bit of growth and climbing with Jesus, you know, this invitation that Jesus has for us today. Yeah, so we're going to pick up after the Beatitudes, and where we are in the Bible is we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And so that says, You are the salt of the earth. For if the salt loses its saltiness, what can it be made salty again? How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see the good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so, <clears throat> when Jesus talks and calls us salt and light, he means a lot more than just salt and just light. So when he calls us the salt of the earth, it's not like, a table condiment or something you put on your french fries, right? That doesn't, that's not what he means. What he means is we are valuable. We have value. And in Jesus' time, salt was like money, right? It was like gold. It was super, super valuable. And salt is a preservative, so they would use it to keep their meat from going bad, to keep food from going bad. And so their health and their quality of life was built on this stuff. And like Sam said last week, sometimes Rome would actually pay their soldiers in salt instead of money because of its value. And so that's how Jesus sees you. He sees you as being valuable. And in Mark 10.45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus came to show us the value that we have, not by anything that we can do for him, um, but that's just how God sees us. 
he sees this as already being valuable. And he came to demonstrate that value by laying his life down on the cross for us. And when he calls us the light of the world, he doesn't mean like we're supposed to just walk around and magically make ourselves glow. I mean, that'd be pretty cool, but that's not what he means. He means that we have a purpose. We are purposeful. And our purpose is to let our faith in Jesus shine through us and, and the things that we do and who we are. And so imagine if I took the lamp off the table and put it on the floor and I threw a blanket over it. That would kind of defeat the purpose of the lamp, right? The bulb would eventually heat up and the blanket would probably start on fire and nothing good would come from that. So that's why we put the lamp up on the table so it can shine and give light for everyone in the house so everyone can use it. And that's you know, the same way we need to act is you know, let our light shine through us. We also talked about how we have this Americanized lens or viewpoint of always being doers, right? We are go-getters. And we pretty much describe almost everyone and everything based on what they do. And so what did we do as Americans that makes us go-getters, right? We were back-to-back World War champs. We kicked the British out and said, nope, this is our land. You guys are out of here. We sent people to the moon. Um, <clears throat> we were pioneers that went out west looking for opportunity. So that's, that's our history and that's our culture. And that's pretty much the society that we live in today is that's, you know, how, how we're used to living is we're doers. And we kind of focus on the things that we do too. So like what our job is and what all that entails, what our hobbies are, um, what we like to do, where we like to go for our Friday night fish fries, right? That's all like stuff that we do. And we focus on that rather than who we are. And I think it's important to, to note that God cares way more about who you are than what you do. Just kind of let that sink in. God cares way more about who you are than what you do. So what would your life look like if your value and your purpose came from God and not anybody or anything else? Because if we started to live like that, if we lived as if we already had great value and purpose, then we would really start to shine, and that would affect our deeds, and people would start to see that. Yeah, so the question that we're kind of wrestling with today is, like, how do we shine? How do we lean into this purpose that God's given us? How do we lean into, you know, how do we lean into that life? And, dude, this is a big task ahead of us. Like, you're literally mm-hmm. asking, like, what is the purpose of life? Like, why are we here? I mean, are we up to this challenge? I think we are. Okay, we'll, we'll try. But if we may not be able to answer all those big questions of why we're here and those reasons. For that, I'll point to uh, Pastor John and Pastor Michael. If you have those kind of questions, we'd love for you to pick on them. That would be very helpful. But in terms of why did Jesus call us light and the purpose behind that, that's what we're going to be able to dig in today. And that's what I'm excited to just talk and uh, find out what he has for us. So if we go into verse 14... Uh, when Jesus calls us light, he gives us a no-da teaching. No, not a Yoda teaching, not the green guy. A no-da teaching. When he says, like, you don't, you don't put a, a bowl over a light. And then that'd be silly. No one could see. It would defeat its purpose. And we're like, no-da, Jesus. Thanks for that, right? It's this, this, yeah, it's, that's the point, right? There's a purpose behind the light. And he calls us this light and so that we can shine so everyone else in the house to see. So this brings us a question. How does a light work? If we're supposed to shine like a light and bring light to people, we actually kind of need to ask this question. Well, how does this work? How does a light shine? Now, back when Jesus taught this, they didn't, they didn't have nice electrical lamps like we have today. They had like oil lamps, 
and of, of that nature. And most of you guys know how like an oil lamp like that would work, right? You, you have oil, and then you have a reaction, and you have energy changing form. That's really what's taking place. Energy that's locked in these little molecules and oil break apart and they float into the air and then it also changes energy which is why there's heat and why there's now light right that's all there it is a a power source a reaction and then now uh light and heat and purpose it's pretty simple actually electrical lamps like bulbs work very similar there's a power source electricity and uh it changed from energy form one to another so we have all these electrons flowing really fast, right? Electricity, and it's moving really fast in an intense way, and it hits, uh, like, the light bulb and, like, the gas inside, creating, like, the gas to move around really fast, hitting each other, creating a new energy form, heat, and light, and it's to the point where it glows and then starts to shine. So they both really work in the same way. A power source, a reaction, and then light. Uh, it's really the same kind of formula, just different power sources. This, though, we have a little more ability to control, and light's a little more efficient and nicer for us to use in our day and age. So the same way, light, uh, oil, electricity, and us actually all kind of work in the same way. So the question kind of becomes, well, what is our power source, right? Because if you walk into a room and it's dark, what's the first thing you do? You look for the light switch. Am I sending power to my, to my light switch. You know, if we had a candle, you know, or an oil lamp, is there oil in that oil lamp? You want to know what the power source is. So we have to ask that same question. What is our power source? And I'm going to be honest, I'm not even going to wait for your reply here because I already know, you already know what it is, right? It's Jesus, the greatest Sunday school answer of all time. And check this out. He actually even, he taught us that in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? He says, uh, bear much fruit. He's talking about like good deeds. It's almost the same kind of verbiage he used when he told us to shine. You know, do good deeds, shine. He's talking about the same way, and that he shows us there's this connection. As long as we are connected to our power source, Jesus, that we're going to be able to shine, that we're going to have these good deeds kind of take place. But this is kind of fun. What is, like, a better power source? Electricity or Jesus, right? Oil or Jesus, which one do you want to have? Well, we just sang some amazing songs, you know, who shakes the whole earth with, like, holy thunder. You know, not just, like, this little storm we have, but, like, the whole place, Jesus comes in. He heals broken hearts. I mean, Jesus is, like, amazing and amazing, amazing. In fact, every, every Sunday we could come up here 52 weeks out of the year and just talk for hours about how amazing Jesus is, right? That's our power source. Electricity, as much as I love it, because I'm an electrician, I, it does have its limits, and it doesn't solve all my problems. In fact, I'm usually trying to fix the problems it creates, right? So we love Jesus as our power source, and it's amazing, which kind of brings us this next kind of question, right? So we're like a light. We have a power source. It's Jesus. So why do we struggle to shine? If our power source is so much stronger than the oil electricity. What are things that cause us to struggle, to shine, right? Where is there a disconnect between our power source and the reaction that takes place that allows us to shine? There's, there's something that happens then, right? If that's what we're trying to figure out today, how do we shine? How do we lean into shining? We have to ask that question. So I don't know, Marcus. How do we? Yeah, so the question is, what disconnects us from God? And... I know for me, it's 
just when I isolate myself from people who are connected and when I kind of push people away. Because I feel like when I'm around them, um, who, you know, when I'm around people whose lights are shining super bright and who are really in tune with, with God, I just feel like that kind of rubs off on me and just kind of lifts me up. And so that's why home group is such an important uh, piece of my life because I'm just in an atmosphere where um, we can just lift each other up in community and, and just share each other's struggles and triumphs and, and really connect with each other. And as we do that with, with each other, then we can build each other's connections with God. And so if you're not involved with a home group or you don't really know what that is, please come and talk with Pastor John or Pastor Michael, and they'll get you hooked up. Or you can put your name on one of the blue cards because um, I just think it's super important and I've benefited from it. Another thing could be when a storm comes into our life, right? Not like a thunderstorm, but uh, it could be um, a divorce. You could lose your job. Um, your Instagram page could get deleted, or you could lose your Snapchat streak with your, one of your friends. Like All these are things that really shake up your life. <clears throat> and that's when we can kind of find ourselves disconnected. And we kind of tend to just collapse inward and, and retreat into ourselves. Or you could lose somebody close to you be a family member. And so <clears throat> I know when I, when I lost my grandfather, that was a huge, huge punch in the gut. Um, and I kind of just closed myself off from, from people and uh, just kind of shut down. What do, you, what do you mean shut down? I was just angry with, with God, just with the situation as a whole. I mean, no one really expects to get the phone call of, hey, don't you know, on your way home from school, don't go home, come to the hospital, because this is going to be goodbye. And so that, um, that was just a huge, huge punch in the face. And my grandpa and I, were, we were super close. Uh, every Wednesday after school, I would head over there and cut his grass, and after that, we would hang out and just talk. And um, uh, he was really big into model railroading, and so was I, and we would just talk about trains and... Um, he loved to golf, and so we would watch golf and stuff like that. And all these things meant so much to me. And after he had passed away, you know, that was gone. And so I just kind of shut down. And so I, I medicated myself by playing games, playing on my phone. I would play stuff on my computer for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. And uh, sometimes I still do that. But um, that's how I dealt with the situation for a while. And so I'm sure each and one, every one of you have a cell phone in your pocket, so go ahead and pull that out. Hold it up in the air. Hold them high up in the air. Yeah, so li- see how many phones we have here? <clears throat> and so these are all can be distractions. Yeah, and yeah, but like this is like how I like communicate with people. Like I got a text, email, like I do this for work. Like I need this so I can like, have a successful job, you know, like this is part of who, have a look, China just said that reports on the coronavirus are dropping. Oh, wow. Yeah. Remember the uh, swine flu, man, that was a big thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. or the Ebola virus, like that, like, was huge, I mean, that was every Mm -hmm. headline of what was going on. But, I mean, we got through it all, so I guess we got through it. I know, oh, wait, hold on, okay, let's, let's get back to this from here, okay. So you kind of see how, you know, these can be tools, but we can just get distracted very easily by stuff like that. And so it's kind of important to uh, note the last thing here is that the enemy is aware of all this stuff, and he's coming at us with everything he's got. 
He's going to throw these lies and um, just whispers these horrible things in our ears saying that, you know, we're never going to get out of the storm. You're never going to feel any better about this situation. Um, we're never going to be good enough, things like that. And yeah, it just so causes you, us to feel ashamed about ourselves. Yeah, you're talking about shame, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge uh, misunderstanding of necessarily what shame is. Right, so guilt says you are dirty and you may need to be made clean by asking for forgiveness, right? That's really what guilt is. And this is actually really helpful for us. So if I, when I hurt somebody, you know, if I hurt Marcus or something, I need to know that I hurt him. So that way I can ask for forgiveness and we can restore that friendship again. It's actually a good thing that God has given us. Like guilt is a good thing to have because now I can be made right. I know something's wrong with me. And I know it, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to be made clean again. I need to be made whole again. Both with, let's say, my friend Marcus and with God. So I can maintain mm-hmm. that relationship. And that is really key because if you don't, shame starts to take over. Yeah. And shame says almost the same thing. So everyone gets confused why they're different. He says you're dirty just like guilt does. There's something wrong with you just like guilt does. But shame says no matter what you do or how hard you try, how much willpower, how much faith, whatever you do, you'll never be made clean. You'll never be made whole. It doesn't matter. And you're going to live with this the rest of your life. The same thing happens actually when we get hurt. If when we get hurt and we have pain we, and we just try and sit with it, that also turns to shame. Because shame tells you that you are, no long, you are not good enough. You are like you know, secondhand, dirty good, leftovers, that you're just going to have pain the rest of your life, and you should just live with that. Kind of like Marcus started to medicate himself after he lost his grandpa, because he had to live with his pain, and it started absorbing and controlling his life, and that's what shame starts to take over then, and dictate his actions and what he does. And that's why we need to talk about these things, to say, hey, I'm hurting, or to say, hey, I need to forgive you, or I need forgiveness because I hurt you. Like that's 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 a tools we use to communicate. And the enemy knows this, so he always loves to deceive us and try and trick us. And he uses this very powerful thing, really called fear. Now, like fear can be a good thing in a sense of if you're hiking through the woods, you come across angry mama bear. Fear lets you know it's time to run. It's time to trip the person next to you so they get eaten and you don't, right? It's, fear is very helpful in that sense, right? We, it, it lets us know if you go pet that bear, you're going to be eaten. So we almost like kind of need that, right? But Satan loves to twist and deceive us on things. And he loves to do things like when you're walking through the woods and you see a little fuzzy bunny rabbit, but he's going to twist it and make you see an angry mama bear. And so you're going to trip your friend, have the bunny eat him, and then you're just going to run, right? So that's, that's what we do. That's what it looks like. That's how the enemy loves to use fear against our advantage. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with, with Sydney at home group because I had this fear taking place. So as you guys know, uh, several weeks ago in our church, we were talking about persecution and we're bringing this guy, Joshua, in from China, and he was going to share about the persecution that he's faced and the trials that go on in his life. And I was supposed to share the next week. And I was like, oh, man, how am I going to match that? How am I going to match the intensity of what his life faced? Like, day in and day out, you know, the world he lives in is so much more intense than mine. Like, I don't have that kind of testimony. I don't have those kind of stories. Like, I'm going to struggle to connect with people. 
So that's what I told Sydney. I have this big fear that I'm not going to be able to match what Joshua is going to be able to bring. And I, I'm like, this is a fear I'm going to have to overcome. And so, and here's, here's the thing about fear and what the enemy loves to do. He, he loves to, like once one fear is like there and you're like, you can identify it, he loves to bring another fear in and kind of surprise you. So last week, if you were here, like I tried really hard to connect with people. I'm like, I'm going to like surrender this to Jesus. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let him win. So I, I tried really hard to connect with people. And so much so that if you're last week, you know, I started crying when I started talking about my wife. Like I started breaking down in tears and be, I had lowered my defenses so much. Now, at it, I'm going to let you guys know something. I have never done that before in front of my wife, not to mention in front of any people. Because I have this fear in my life that if I show emotion, if I show tears, that means I am weak and I can be controlled. Like, if I show, like, I feel something, that means I am weak. And in fact, I, I didn't even want to share this with you guys because of my fear of letting people know that. Then I feel like, oh man, I'm going to get made fun of. I'm going to have to try and explain why. I'm going to have to, like, relive in this moment of that fear. In fact, I had so much fear about that moment last week. I still have yet to go back and listen to what I said because I don't almost want to relive that moment. You know, when I, after the tears stopped and I was sitting here, this was the last place I wanted to be. Like, I panicked. I was, like, in a tailspin. I, like, forgot what I was going to say, where I was going to go. I was, like, in a state of shock. Like, I was panicking on the inside, but I had to, like, cover it up. I put on a face to make sure nobody knew that I was freaking out or in fear. I responded big time with fear, and that's what the enemy does. He takes one fear, and once you figure out what that is, he's just going to bring another one right into your life and say, ha, and I'll beat that. Earlier, I asked you guys to raise your hand, right? It was kind of silly if you hadn't spoken yet, and I was going to get you, you know, on a list to bring you up. And it's, and fear, what, like, if you have a fear of public speaking, like, most, I want to tell you, most people have a fear of public speaking. And that, like, it's, 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 it's okay, and it's, it's crazy that actually surveys show that most, there's, like, a group of people would rather die than have to, like, public speaking, and like that's incredibly sad, because the fear of like public speaking, the fear of like going up in front of somebody, and like sh- sharing words has nothing to do with actually saying words. How are you going to say them? How many times you'll say um? It has nothing to do with that. It all has to do with the fear of being rejected. And when you go up in front of people, you know, put yourself out there that you have a fear of being rejected by people. Being rejected by human beings is so is so powerful that so many people would almost rather die than have to do it. So many people would not want to come up here and like panic because that fear that I'm going to get rejected starts to control and run their life. So if we switch seats, if I was sitting where you were and you're up here, the question to you today is what fears would you share with people that are in your life? What fears make your decisions, control your habits, and try to grab the center of who you are? Like, what fears are in your life, really?
when we kind of are in f- fear, we kind of start to lose this connection with our power source, right? Let me tell you something. If you are afraid, you're going to struggle to be light. When you sh- are struggling to be light, it's because you are struggling with being afraid. And you're losing connection with your power source. This is what you start to look like. We start to look like a light bulb. Even though this light bulb is designed to shine and give light and do its purpose, it looks like this. There's, there's a gap. There's a distance. Even though you guys know it can shine, you guys all are seeing it, it's not. And in the same way, when I make choices, like to respond in fear, this is what I look like. And I pick this a lot because I'm afraid of what might happen. But like, here's the thing, though. There's this group of guys in a boat. We called them the disciples of Jesus. And they were like on this big lake. And there's a huge storm rolled in, really high waves, lots of wind, lots of rain. These guys are in trouble, right? These guys were uh, fishermen, so they knew how to sail, but they knew, they recognized when danger was danger. They were pretty scared. Then there's this guy who's walking on the water towards them, and they, like, lose their minds. Like, fear just, like, grips them. They are, like, full panic mode, full trip your friend and run away from the bear mode. I mean, they are, like, scared. And then the guy, you know, walking on the water, you know, who's Jesus, what does he tell them? Does anyone know? Mara, uh, John 6.20. He says, it is I... Do not be afraid. He says, it is I, Jesus. You know, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so they, they see who it is, and they bring him on the boat, and Jesus calms the storm and saves the day, and we go, yeah, Jesus, and then, oh, this fun story, let's read it again. And we totally miss what Jesus tells them. He says, it is I. It is I. I am with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, because you are going to struggle to be light if you choose to be afraid. Not that the storm wasn't there. It wasn't that the waves were magically stopped crashing and wind blowing, right? They were still taking place when they chose not to be afraid. Your life's not going to magically have all its problems fixed. I wasn't going to magically not be on this stool anymore. When you choose to be light, you have to choose not to be afraid. So that's the thing. What's more powerful now? Electricity or Jesus? What's the more awesome power source? That's why Jesus says, it is I, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your fears, in the middle of your chaos, walking on the water, and we just say something about, lead me where my feet, uh, help me out, Miko. May never, may never wander. Thank you. Lead me where my feet may never wander, right? Jesus says, it is I in the storm with you, with the waves around you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be light. Because that is the purpose like, that's why you were here. That's why you created. That's the purpose behind you is to be light and not be 
afraid. So what does it look like when we finally choose to not be afraid? Oh, that's the other thing. If you don't recognize fear for what it is, you'll still, you're going to struggle with shine, like, to shine to be light. Like, it's hard enough to be afraid and be light. You're going to struggle even more to be light if you can't even recognize the fear in your life. And some of you guys need to have an honest conversation with yourself, maybe with your spouse, your family, maybe in your home group. What are the fears in my life? And start to recognize that. Because if you're choosing to be afraid and you don't even understand that you are choosing to be afraid, you don't recognize that you're seeing a bunny rabbit, right? I had you raise your hand up, and as as soon as I said we're going to bring you up, a lot of you guys dropped it down. You're like, I don't want to volunteer for that. That's like a little joke, seeing a little fuzzy bunny rabbit and feeling a, seeing an angry bear come at people. And that's just one. That's just a little example. I don't know all your lives. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened, what's happening in your day-to-day. But I do know this, that the enemy knows, and he's going to want to deceive you. He's going to want to make sure that you're looking at angry bears and not at little bunny rabbits. And you're going to want to feel alone and not be in that place. But that's why Jesus says, it is I. I am with you. Do not be afraid. So what does that now finally look like when we get, get rid of the distractions and we choose to not be afraid? We finally choose to connect to our power source, Jesus. What are the results? What, is that, what, are, what, are, what are those stories kind of look like? So for that, I'm actually going to ask you, Marcus. Yeah, so <clears throat> a few months ago, my coworker and I, we were in the car going to one of the other buildings. We had to work on some stuff. Um, and just kind of keep in mind, we're pretty close. So I've been working with him for about three years now. He's actually the one that interviewed me for the job that I have. And so we hang out quite a bit. We like to play video games and watch movies and stuff like that. So... So we're pretty close, and we were just talking about whatever, just IT stuff, and um, he started to tell me about how his father-in-law had uh, gotten pretty sick, and he found himself in the hospital. There were some some complications that caused him to have a heart attack and a stroke all within the same week. And so as I'm listening to this, I'm just thinking, gosh, what what do I do? How am I going to help him? Like, do I get him a car? Do I try and cheer him up? Do I take him out to lunch? Like, what do I have to do? What do I need to do? And I was just so lost in this. And as my mind was racing at a million miles an hour, it was just this voice that just said, just stop. Just pray for him. Just pray for him. And so I asked him, I was like, dude, can I just pray for you right now? And he was like, well, I mean, yeah, sure. And so I did. And I could just feel his stress and his sorrow and just kind of lift away. And I can't really explain it. It was pretty amazing. Um, <clears throat> and about a week later, we were in the same situation again. We were in the car going to work on some stuff. And um, he told me that his father-in-law had passed away. And I could just hear this hurt and this anger and sorrow in his heart. And so... Just the first thing that came to mind, not what I needed to do. I 
It's just like, okay, I need to pray for you. Man, can I just pray for you right now? And, and so I did, and just the same thing. I could just feel his, his anger, his sorrow just, just lift away. And a few days had passed after that, and I asked him how he was doing. And he was like, you know, dude, I was just so angry at everything. I just, I couldn't explain it. But now I'm not. Isn't it just amazing what the power of prayer can do? Yeah, amen. But there, there's, we're talking about shining, but really there's a question that's got to get asked first. Where, where's Jesus? You know, where's the heart and character of Jesus in this story? Because if we never ask that, we're totally going to miss why Marcus shined. You know, so like whenever, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't know your everyday situations, but I'm, I'm sure you come across people who have problems. And when we start to listen to those problems, so many of us, you know, when I ask, well, what do I need to do? How do I respond? Right? We have the whole WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, you definitely know an American came up with that. You know, what would Jesus do situation? Even, even Marcus wrestled with that question himself. But the question that we need to start asking ourselves and start wrestling with is, WWJB, who would Jesus be? Right? Who would Jesus be to this in this situation? You know, he would be a listener, burden lifter. You know, he would comfort in the morning. Like, he wasn't going to magically snap his fingers and his coworkers' problems were all going to go away, right? That's... That's what we want. So we just want to do something to fix the situation, right? And we don't want to wrestle with who, do, who, who would Jesus be? And the reason Marcus shined in that moment is because not what he did and nothing to do with his actions. It's, it's who Marcus was. is because he was listening, listening so much so that he was able to hear what he was a, needed to do. And he was a listener. He brought peace when there was some chaos. He comforted the morning, right? That's who he, that's who he was. It had nothing to do with the actions that were taking place. That's, it was the being that, that took place. If you never asked the question, who, is, you know, who would Jesus be in this? You know, where is my power source? You start to look like this. I need to do something. I need to do something. I need to do something. And I have no idea where Jesus is. I have no idea where my power source is. And as soon as you start to wrestle with who Jesus would be, all of a sudden we can start to shine. Because we already have, know and have that answer. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you anything new. Like, you need to pray, you need to read your Bible, you need to do this or that. I mean, you probably already hear that all the time. You probably feel like you need to do more of that kind of stuff. But it has nothing to do with your actions. You know, this next couple days or weeks, it's no longer, what do I need to do different? How can I be, you know, how can I do salt and light? And that's not how Jesus teaches it. He says, you are salt and light. So the question is, how can I be salt and light this week? I need to stop wrestling with the question, WWJD, start asking the question, who would Jesus be? Who do I need to be this week? What is Jesus calling me to be this week? We're, We're climbing, right? We're all in different spots. We've all been following Jesus for different periods of length and time. And we're all in different spots on this climb. But that's why we climb together, so we can wrestle with this together. Because some of you guys, Marcus didn't see his coworker for someone who was frustrated 
with his problems, right? Marcus didn't, you know, see an irritated, grumpy person like so many of us see our friends, family, you know, associates, whatever. He saw that person, he saw his coworker for who he was, someone who was hurting, someone who was problems, someone who was wrestling with questions. And if we're going to climb like Jesus, we're going to try and be like Jesus, you need to be able to see like Jesus. You need to stop seeing with with the actions and the doing and defining everything by that. Start defining people by how God says and who they are. And who is Jesus in this? Because that's where you're going to start to shine. And that's where the church is going to start to come alive. And that's why as, as family here at Southside, we're going to start to shine. As we wrestle with who would Jesus be in this, we're going to have to let go of where we're at so we can climb. We're going to have to let go with the do who do I need, you know, what, what do I need to do this week? Maybe you need to have a family meeting with that. Who do we need to be this week? And be honest with yourself. Because the enemy knows all this. And he knows you're going to wrestle with this. He knows all the fears in your life. Ones that are really obvious and the ones that are hidden way deep beneath the surface. Like, I still am going to have to go home and wrestle with the fact that I don't want to show people my emotions. And I'm going to have to deal with this and wrestle with this. And some days I win, some days I lose. And he's going to be real with your, you're going to have to be real with your fears. You're going to have to be honest with yourself if you really want to lean into shining. You want to lean, lean into being, right? You're a human being. If you want to, we want to live as a church and as a community into shining, we need to lean in to being light. And that is what Jesus is teaching us, and that is what he's inviting us to climb into. So, Marcus, you mind if we close us in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this, this beautiful day that you have made. I just thank you so much for this church body and everyone in it, and I just pray that as we walk out of here today, we can just uh, focus on who, who we are and who you are, and in, in different situations that we're in, that we can just ask the question, Jesus, where are you in this? I pray that we can just push away all the things that distract us and, and keep us from focusing on you. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.